0: lord we want to thank you father for your goodness we want to thank you for your presence here and we say come holy spirit suddenly you came and so lord we just want to to pray for our our speaker this morning pastor ava green cameron lord jesus we just want to ask you to bless her lord god give her mind clarity as she speaks she will speak as the very oracle of god Lord God, that you may be glorified, that our hearts may be open, that our ears may be cued to you, Father God, that we will hear you, Lord. And Lord God, be moved to change. And even after this word, Father God, we will not just be moved to change, but action will come, Lord God. Lord, we will not just be hearers of the word, but Lord, we will become people who are doers of the word may we glorify you in all that we do every day that we live may your light shine upon us may jesus be seen in us lord god may you lord god be glorified in our everyday life every minute every second lord god may we glorify you may when when others see us lord may you be exalted Jesus, we thank you for our speaker and we pray, Lord, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, those who are listening. Good morning. Good morning for those who are online. Good morning. It is such a privilege again to be with you another morning, another Sunday morning. This morning is, is, is Pentecost Sunday. It represents the Christian festival which celebrates the, the time when the Holy Spirit came on earth, came on the disciples of Jesus after jesus ascended into heaven and he came and he endued them with power Amen. he endued them with power and the anointing and the authority to go and to become witnesses and, and and to testify of what they have seen jesus done and this morning we want us we, we we want to be celebrating this morning We want to be celebrating the the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our midst this morning. We want to celebrate that Jesus did not leave us alone, but he sent us a counselor. He sent us a comforter. He sent us one who he knows who would counsel and guide us and give us the wisdom and the advice we need to navigate through life. And so this morning, we do not take it for granted, but we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you continue to reign, God, that even though you are physically not here in the body, you, have still, you are still here because you live through the Holy Spirit in us. You are with us. You are teaching us. You are guiding us. You are giving us care, and you are loving us. You are showing us how much yes. you are concerned about every detail of our lives. And we give you thanks this morning, Father. Thank you, God. We bless your name. And we honor you this yes. morning. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Welcome again, those who are in my midst. Welcome, 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 welcome for those who are listening. or For the first time, we want to, to give you a special welcome as Anne said this morning. And welcome our regular, visitor, regular members who are listening online. We are so grateful that you could spend the time with us this morning. This morning, the title of my message is Godly or Ungodly Wisdom. Hmm. Godly or Ungodly, or ungodly Wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice that you and I make. Mm-hmm. Where do I receive my wisdom? Mm -hmm. When I'm faced with life challenges, where do I go for advice? Mm -hmm. When I am sought for wisdom or for advice from others, who influences or what influences the advice or the wisdom that I share? Mm -hmm. Does it come from the word of God? Mm -hmm. Or does it violate the word of God. Mm-hmm. Recently I was introduced to Steve Harvey's replay shows on Facebook. And what I noticed is that every, everyone I saw, persons were asking real life challenging questions. Questions that they needed wisdom for. Mm-hmm. And some would say, Steve, how do I get a date? These were genuine men or women who needed to have relationships. Or, Steve, should I leave my spouse? Steve, how do I invest in this new relationship? Mm-hmm. Steve, how do I get over the hurt of my past? Mm-hmm. And as I said before, these are genuine and heartfelt questions that persons ask of talk show hosts, friends, friends, family members, or even professionally trained persons as they seek wisdom to make the right choice. This morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1. Psalm 1, which is deemed a wisdom psalm. introduces the other psalms of the book, and, it, and, 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 and Psalm 1 will give us an idea of what it is to seek, to live, to remain, to obey, to apply the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and read for me, Tamar, this morning.
0: Good morning. This, the reading this morning comes from Psalms 1, and this is from the New Living Translation. It reads, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for God watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked
1: leads to destruction thank you Tamar for reading so the author of psalm 1 is, is unknown so we do not know who wrote it but what we recognize that he, he wrote contrasting the two ways of life notice I said not one of the two but the only two ways of life is either you are godly or you are ungodly and if you are godly Your wisdom comes from God. And if you are ungodly, your wisdom comes from everything that is ungodly. And so these are truths that Psalm 1 is telling us this morning. That there are two ways of life, the godly and the ungodly. And based on these two types of wisdom, the the, the, the profound truths and the way we live our lives will dictate the things that we do. The wisdom we choose, the way we choose, the, way we, the, way, the pathway that we choose to live in accordance with will dictate the way we live our lives. A man is deemed godly and righteous, first and foremost, when he accepts God, God's invitation to fellowship with him. He puts his faith in God and as a result of that, God bestows or lavishes his love on him and declares him righteous so it's nothing that this man does it's nothing that he earned all he does is just accept and believe accept you see how simple it is he accepts the love of God and he believes in God because of this love and because of his love for God he he says I am now going to live my life in obedience to God's Word. I am going to seek wisdom from God. I am going to give wisdom that only comes from God. And what he does, he abides by God's wisdom, and God rewards this man with blessings, fruitfulness, and God cares for him and leads him. Every human being is born in sin, we are all born a sinner. But however, if we remain in that place by rejecting God's invitation to fellowship, we are deemed ungodly. We are deemed a sinner. We are deemed the wicked. We are deemed the mockers. We are deemed the unbeliever. The ungodly man is inspired. By the devil to seek the wisdom of this world and to give the wisdom of this world. The ungodly man lives his life guided and controlled by his own desires, his own emotions, and his flesh rather than the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. He too is rewarded. He's rewarded with with unhappiness and he's rewarded with unfruitfulness and he will be judged by God instead of standing with God to judge and he will perish rather than prosper. From this position, we recognize that all of us, We either fall, we fall in one of these two categories. We're either godly or we are ungodly. There is no middle position. There's no partial position. I cannot be both godly and ungodly. I cannot be godly today and ungodly tomorrow. It is not a straddling of offense. I am either left or I'm right. I am either in God or I'm against God. I'm either for God or I reject God. There's no middle mark, no middle position. And the book of James tells us this morning that there are two types of wisdom. As you said, the word neutral. There's no neutrality in this thing. James says there are two types of wisdom. There is the wisdom of God, and there is the wisdom of this world. And James says the wisdom of God comes from heaven. It is personified according to 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is personified in Jesus because Jesus became the wisdom from God. And because Jesus is the wisdom from God, Jesus now is the door, is the access, is the way, is the pathway for men and women to come to the Father. James 3.17 tells us, that this wisdom that comes from God is, first of all, it is pure. It is peace-loving. It is considerate. It is submissive. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It is impartial, and it is sincere. However, James kindly and carefully also tells us that though there is a godly wisdom, There is an earthly wisdom, and this earthly wisdom is unspiritual and and is of the devil. And in James 3.15, he tells us that the wisdom of, of the world and the wisdom that is unspiritual and of the devil encourages men and women to harbor bitter envy, to harbor malice and unforgiveness, to become selfish in their ambition, to become selfish in their hearts. And and, and 1 Corinthians 3.19 tells us that this type of wisdom is foolishness in God's sight. As I prepared this morning for the Pentecostal Sunday, I am reminded in John 14 and 16 that before Jesus departed earth, he promises his disciples to send him another counselor. Jesus recognized how important it is, it is for his disciples, those who he has deemed as godly and righteous men, that it is important for them to have good counsel because they would be living in a world that they were not of. And the life challenges would come. They would be persecuted. They would face challenges in their own lives, in their homes, and while they witnessed, they would be persecuted for their beliefs. And Jesus recognized that I cannot leave them without replacing myself. And so what he did, he sent them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of truth, he came to be the counselor that they would need forever. The Holy Spirit came, and he came not only to live with them, but he came to live within them. And so they now had this wisdom, this this, this bank of wisdom that they could draw from when life was hard. When they needed to make choices, when they were faced with decisions which they did not know should I go left or right, when they were at the crossroads and did not know where to turn, he would counsel them and guide them into all truth. He would teach them and he would remind them of all that Jesus said before. And, he would, and, and, and while they lived in this earth, they would know how to navigate life because he was navigating life with them. In Acts 2, as Anne mentioned this morning, that just as Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples like with, with a ball of fire. As the scripture says flames of fire landed upon them and they were endued with power. And this power was not limited to extraordinary strength. This power included the wisdom they needed, the insight they needed, the abilities they needed, the confidence and the courage they needed, the boldness they needed to fulfill the mission that they were called to accomplish. And so we realize that God did not just call men to come and follow me, but he empowered men to follow him. He empowered men to live daily lives before him this morning i'm not sure where you are do you fall in the godly or in the godly even as you listen and, I, and i'm gonna Im- Im- impact it i'm gonna unpack it more and i'm gonna reveal more and more so that you can truly know where you're standing because as i said to you there's no neutral position there's no sitting and struggling of the fence There's no not sure, we need to be sure where we are because it's either we are for God as I said before or we are against God. And we can't look back at the days when we used to go to church and we used to do this and my mother used to do that. That is not sufficient. There's a place where you and I must stand. And the same way you know today if you're a man or a woman is the same way you must recognize today. If you are godly or ungodly, there is no they, no them. It is either a he or a she. You have to stand before the Lord and recognize and admit who you are. God, I am a godly woman. God, I am a godly person. Or or, or it may be that you're saying this morning, God, I am ungodly. And if you find yourself in that position this morning, God is saying to you this morning, I am here. I am the same one who made the disciples holy and righteous and godly. And I'm the same one who have the power and the the, skill sets and the love to make you godly. And as I shared earlier, all it requires is that a man believes and accepts. Believes in God trust in him, confess with their mouth, ask him to forgive them of their sins, and accept relationship, accept him as their Lord and Savior. So let us look at the contrast that Psalms 1 spoke or speaks about of the godly and the ungodly. The first thing Psalms 1 tells us is that the godly man is blessed. Which one of us would not want to be blessed this morning? The godly man does not walk in the counsel of the the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of of mockers or scornful, depending on your translation. The word blessed means happy. It is a continuous verb which shows an action that is, was, and will be. It does not speak of a one-time event, but promises multiple and continuous happiness and blessing to a man, to the man, a specific man, a certain type of man. And the text can be read like this. Happy is the certain man who. Happy was the certain man who. Happy will be the certain type of man who. So it speaks of his present, it speaks of his past, and it speaks of his future. So the godly man was blessed he is blessed and he will be blessed but also when we look at the word who the word who introduces this specific man this certain type of man and it says it is not every and any man that is a godly man it is not every and every any woman who is a godly woman it is a man And a woman whom God has deemed righteous because they have accepted, because they have believed, because they have put their trust in God. Despite their longings, despite their challenges, despite their troubles, this person chooses to remain in Christ and be blessed. There are three things that this blessed man does not do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the mockers. I note it is, when you look at it, it's like a progression. To walk, stand, and sit shows a progression. He is walking because he is gathering. But he stands because his interest is now peaked, And he sits because he has now come to the place where this is my final decision. I have made my choice. And so he sits. To walk in the counsel of the wicked is to follow the example. To seek the advice of those who have nothing to do with God. The wicked is a man who has nothing to do with God. To stand in the way of sinners is to become more involved and influenced by those who have deliberately chosen a way of life contrary to the plan of God. And that is the sinner. The sinner has chosen a way and decides to choose a way that is contrary. Deliberately chosen a way to contrary Walk against God's call to fellowship. To sit in the seat of the mockers or the scornful is to become even more comfortable and content under the influence of those who actively ridicule God. Are those who engage in putting God down or the things of God and the word of God down. Those who question even the existence of God. Those who question the creation of a, of a God. Those who question, the, the, does, uh, is God in control? Is God, the question the very things of, uh, or the very nature and the essence of who God is. That is the mocker and the scornful man. And so he walks and he stands and he sits showing his progression of how, little by little he's prone to turn away from God and become more entangled in following the sinful ways of the world because he's now fully influenced by the attitudes and the actions of a sinful world who is inspired by the devil. The godly man does not follow the example of those who live in disobedience to God's word. He does not take the advice of those who themselves don't even live according to the standards or model of God's word. The godly man has the Holy Spirit wisdom because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of this man. And he is determined to walk by the whole counsel of God's word, not partial counsel. Because many of us, it is okay to choose different parts. So so I like the Old Testament, or I may like the New, or I may like that particular scripture because it speaks to my own conviction. But the others that don't, I throw them out. I don't even read them. I don't pay much attention to them. But the godly man says, because the word of God is the very counsel of God, I live my life walking and standing and sitting, not by my emotions or my experience, not by what tradition says or by the popular opinion of others, even when it seems politically correct. But I live my life knowing that the whole counsel of God is what makes me blessed. And so the godly man is blessed because he does not walk, does not stand, does not sit where sinners and wicked and scornful and the mockers sit. But he delights himself in the law of the Lord. And verse 2 says, he delights in the law of the Of the Lord to delight in the law of the Lord is a contrast to what happens in verse 1 because in verse 1 the ungodly sit stand walk in the state of ungodliness but the godly man now delights himself so instead of seeking counsel from the ungodly The godly man finds great pleasure, satisfaction, and happiness in the Lord, in the law of the Lord, which is the word of God. The godly man recognizes that I cannot meet with God on a Sunday, forgetting Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and think that I can live godly. No. The godly man knows that the more time I spend in the word of God, the more time I spend with God, the more time I spend allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me and to teach me and to guide me, is the greater the pleasure and the satisfaction I find in God and in the word of God. So how can you say you're a godly man? Or a godly woman when you spend less time with the one who makes you godly. The godly man recognized that access to wisdom, wisdom itself is personified as I said to you before in Jesus. And so the greatest wisdom you can ever get, the treasures of wisdom are hidden in him. And unless you go in him, you have no access to godly wisdom. All the wisdom that you have are worldly. The godly man requires and recognizes that the word of God must become the object of my delight for me to be blessed. Not only does he delight in the law of the Lord, but he meditates on it day and night. To meditate means to think deeply. So he's not not just reading. Let me just read it to say I did, I read it. Tick off, I read. But what he does, he thinks deeply. He carefully focuses on the scripture, and he applies it to his life. So instead of seeking advice, from Ayana Fix My Life, or from friends who are living in themselves in disobedience to the word of God, or partial obedience, which is still disobedience, the godly man sits and carefully focuses on the inspired word of God consistently, mm-hmm. regularly, mm-hmm. continually. The godly man focuses on the word of God day day and night. It doesn't mean that he does it only in the morning and then he does it before he goes to bed but in the day of his life while at work, while uh, on the road, he incorporates God in his everyday life. He does not live disjointed life. The godly man is constantly and consistently contemplating and internalizing God's word As he spends time with God, driving, taking a shower, cleaning, working, cooking. He knows that the more time he spends in the word of God, the more of God's thoughts, wisdom, and resources he has to guide him in his daily decision. And that is why he is blessed. The godly man is planted where he can be nourished for fruitfulness. Verse 3 lightens him to a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And then it says, whatever this man does, that certain man, that specific man does, he prospers. The godly man is likened to a tree having roots. He's planted. He's likened to a tree having leaves that does not wither. And he's likened to a tree that bears fruit in season. The word planted actually means to be transplanted or replanted. It is a desert. For him to be, be uh, near to the, that stream, someone has to take him from where he, he was and go and put him there. Because what grows in the desert? But weeds and tumbleweeds. Nothing. And to be planted, yeah? To cactus and cactus is not bearing, bearing, well, cactus do bear fruit, but does cactus, do you consider cactus with having leaves? No. So that, so that disqualifies a cactus. To transplant is to dig up and remove from one place to the next. During this period or process of transplanting, this plant wilts and its roots goes into shock as it is trying to adjust to the new environment and situation. I remembered many years ago, I'm going to say maybe about 10 or more years ago, I remember driving home and entering into my complex that I was living at the time, and I saw a fruit tree growing at the side. I knew within months that would have been a dead fruit tree. And so I stopped my car, I dug it from the ground, and I took it home and I planted it. It was a sweet sap tree and I recognized that after I planted it the day and I went back the next day the, 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 the leaves were bent, it was limping wilting mm-hmm. it was in a new environment that it did not know mm-hmm. and although this environment would have been better for it it would have preferred where it was because that is what it knew mm-hmm. and the same thing the godly man, God will uproot him mm-hmm. dig him up Replant him in Texas. Replant him in a job that he doesn't like. Replant him in a situation that he doesn't like. But God says, I understand that you will wilt and go through shock. (laughs) But I will water you. I will tend you. Until you adjust to the changes and become stronger and stronger over the years. And that's what God does. God takes a man who does not know Him, a man who is born in sin and shaping in iniquity, and He takes him and He replants him in Jesus. And then what He does, He plants him near a stream—not even a stream, but the Scripture, the Scripture said, "This streams of water, not one stream, but this streams So streams flowing from the north, streams coming from the south, the east, and the west." To feed this tree. But make understand what it is not saying. It didn't say a river. A stream is a smaller body of water. That sometimes will go dry because it does not produce water. It's not a spring. It's not producing water of its own. So it is dependent on something to feed it, to support it, to transport it. The streams speak of many water sources of irrigation that would nourish that will nourish the godly man the streams are the word of god that we read that nourishes the soul the stream is the holy spirit that lives on the inside of you that you can deactivate by not using him by not interacting with him the stream is the godly and gifted influence of wise counselors and teachers that God has placed around all of us to give us the wisdom we need and to help us to refresh our souls when we are facing storms of life. With this new position of being replanted comes new provision, stream. So God does not replant a tree or God does not ask you or move you into a situation without providing all that you need to flourish in that situation. But as I said, with that new position comes new provision, but it also comes with new challenges. And with that new challenge, this tree now has to learn to when the wind buffets against it, to move and to sway while it develops and there come a point in time where it cannot move because it's now rigid it's a now strong tree and the branches gonna do the movements because God knows for this tree to to, to that I have repositioned and Provided new opportunities for, and the challenges come. The only way you can be fruitful, the only way you can fulfill your purpose, is through these challenges, through these provisions, and being planted in a new position. So the rest of a godly man's life is spent adjusting to the new environments, adjusting to the new provisions, because the provision sometimes does not look like the provision that you think you need. Mm-mm. The truth is, mm-hmm. you want to have kiwa, uh-huh. but God is saying, no, rice. rice. <laughs> you want to have lobster and, 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 and shrimp, but he's saying, no, chicken, chicken back. No. And God knows what you need because the same thing we did with the, with, with the Israelites where they needed quail and they remembered the onion and the leek and God says no, manna has everything you need. The vitamin D, the vitamin K, the B12, the vitamin C, the zinc, the iron, he knows what you need and he says I know what you need. And so he leads them in this new position and he provides a new provision and he knows the challenges that would strengthen you because you cannot be strong without challenges. I cannot say I'm a godly woman and I trust God without having challenges to show me or to question my trust. God knows the situations to bring the godly man in for him to, be, to grow. The next thing we notice about this tree is that its leaves does not wither. This speaks of the godly man's vitality and his ability to endure the storms to endure the wind, to endure the rain, or whatever life throws at him. So whether it be a financial or a relational issue, the godly man endures. Whether it be unemployment or loneliness, the godly man endures. Whether it be racial injustices as we see happening now in the world with George Floyd, the godly man endures. Whether it be barrenness and health issues which are designed by God to make the godly man stronger and more resilient, the godly man endures because he's evergreen. If, if a plant has leaves that does not wither, it means in the fall, it is still green. In the winter, when everything is falling off, it is still green. He's evergreen. Having the ability to endure in any harsh climate. Then he moves on and he says, whatever the godly man does, he prospers. He does not prosper because everything is going according to his life plan or according to what he wants to be done. He does not prosper because he reads the word of God occasionally. He prospers because the Lord rewards him for abiding consistently in him and for seeking guidance and wisdom through meditation. On the word of God. The godly man prospers because the wisdom he receives from the word of God and through godly counsels, when he obeys them and applies them to his life, it makes him better. The godly man prospers because he operates in the framework of God's will, not his will but God's will, and so what he does is he surrenders to God, allowing God to replant him by where God wants him to be. Where God knows the conditions are right and suited for him to grow into a sturdy tree with deep roots firmly established, and that is why he is blessed. So we looked at the godly man and we recognized that the godly man is not just blessed because he's just an ordinary man doing nothing. He's a specific man. He's a certain type of man. He's a certain type of woman that depends, that trusts, that lives, that delights in God and makes the God, makes God his dwelling. So let us look at the ungodly, that Psalms 1, the author contrasts with the godly. In verse 4 he says, not so the wicked. They are like a chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. This is another contrast between the godly and the ungodly. The ungodly man is likened to a chaff. A chaff is the outer shell of, us, of the seed that must be removed to get to the most important part of the seed, the grain. The chaff is worthless. It's just a covering, an outer covering, that protects something that is precious. It has no value of its own it is very light and it is carried away by the by even the slightest wind it is a symbol of faithless life that drifts along without direction and when you when you when you read about how they they they, they, they sickle the, the, the grains and they they, they, they they throw it they throw the the, the grains up and the, 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 the sorry the seeds up and the grain falls and the chaff flies away as the wind moves it in any direction that the wind is taking it. It doesn't have a direction of its own. The same is said of the ungodly man. His life is directionless. He's carried away by every false satanic and human counsel of the world. Because he seeks Iana fix my life. A woman who professes all different types of beliefs except in the true God that we serve. An ungodly man will go to a Wendy Williams to know what is the latest thing that is happening. Or will be fixated with Steve Harvey's life stories. But a godly man recognizes that I am supposed to feed on the word of God. That's my food. He will be, he will be given into the stress and the pressures of life because he has no basis for his hope. And the future that he sees is one without value and worth. The ungodly will be judged and condemned. They will be excluded from the assembly of the righteous who will stand before God and enjoy the eternal blessings and presence of God. So the ungodly stands on the opposing side of God, he stands not with God. But before God, as one who is judged, as one who has been weighed and found wanted. In verse 6, it says, The Lord watches over the way of the godly and righteous man, but the way of the wicked will perish. To watch is to look or observe attentively over something. And the Lord looks attentively over the way, which is the life course, the pathway of the godly. And he does the same of the ungodly, because he knows them. The difference is, with the godly, as he looks And because he knows, he knows because he's intimately acquainted with the godly man. Because the godly man takes the time to spend intimate moments with God. Unlike the ungodly, he rejects every invitation God offers for fellowship and relationship. And as a result of that, God lovingly cares, leads, protects, guides and prospers the godly man on his life path but the ungodly will come to ruin he will perish because he has no guidance he has no direction he has no one who is caring for him and over him the godly and righteous man is blessed because he clings to God's word and counsel. He is faithful, he's stable, he's prosperous, and he is rewarded. But the ungodly man is unfaithful, he's unhappy, he's unstable. He rejects God's word, counsel, and invitation to relationship, and he is rewarded with judgment condemnation and destruction so this morning i presented to you the only two ways of life there is no other way of life it's either you are godly or you're ungodly it's either you're righteous or you're wicked it's either you're a believer or you're an unbeliever and god is saying to you this morning The godly does not respond to life the way the ungodly responds. So if you deem yourself godly, in what way is your life different from the ungodly? Because the godly man endeavors to live a life that is pleasing to God and one that God would reward. But the ungodly man lives for himself. It's about me, myself, and I. It's about what makes me happy. It's it's about what gives me joy. It's about what is good for me. And so this morning, as I present it to you, I want you to stop, as I'd asked you before, and contemplate, think, which way of life best represents your life currently, your current life. Which way of life best represents your current life? Do you want to stand in judgment with God? Or do you want to be condemned and judged by God? Because making this decision tells us the direction we need to go and the wisdom we need to seek. Which wisdom we need to seek. But I am mindful that there are some who have not made that decision as yet. And so this morning, the question to you is, which side do you want to be on? The godly side that blessed and rewards godliness? Or the ungodly side that blesses and rewards unfaithfulness, unha- brings unfaithfulness and unhappiness? destruction, and ruin. But I'm also mindful that there are those among us who have already made the decision to stand in judgment with God. However, when the storms in life come, and they will come, as I've heard over and over, that it either you are in a storm, coming out of a storm, or entering into a storm. But you are going to be in a storm some point in time very soon in the future. Where do you go or whom do you turn to for counsel? Where does your counsel and wisdom come from in the midst of your storm? Will you trust God's word and counsel? Will you obey God and wait on him to guide and lead you? even when it seems illogical to wait? Or will you seek the advice, viewpoint and counsel of those who are not led by God, those who think they partially obey God, which is in total disobedience, or those who are of this world that says, this is the way you live as a human being in this world? The further you and I drift from God's word and counsel, the more comfortable we become in fellowshipping with and following the ways of the ungodly and the world. The longer you and I sit entangled in sinful living, the more we are influenced by the attitudes and actions of those who do not know God, or who have blatantly reject God. But the more you and I who deem ourselves godly, delight in God's word, meditating, internalizing and applying this, the truth and the wisdom of God's word, the more blessed and fruitful we are. It is so much easier implement the wrong advice and wisdom of the world than it is to implement and advi- advice and wisdom of God because the world says I will re- take revenge for what you do to me I do back to you what you do to me I do not take that from you that's what the world says justice we want justice but today if you choose God the Holy Spirit will empower you and I to constantly sit, to constantly walk, to constantly stand in the truths of God's word as we meditate, obey, and apply it to our lives, even when it makes no sense to the natural man. But the godly man is not the natural man. The godly man is a certain type of man. The godly man is a specific type of man. Is a man who says, God, yes, I know my rights. Yes, I can do that, but I choose not to because I am trusting you. And James 1.5 tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, ask of the God, the specific God, the only God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. So this morning, do you need wisdom? Do you need wisdom in your life? I know I need wisdom Multiply times a hundred. I know that I need wisdom every single day. Just to live. Even without a storm. Or much more when I'm going through my storms. But the scriptures James reminded us that if we ask God, he gives us. And he does not give it sparingly, he gives it generously without finding fault. So he doesn't question why do you need wisdom. He lavishes it up on you. And he gives it to you and he says, my daughter, my son, my child... Here is the wisdom that you need because I know you cannot live without the wisdom that comes from him. And so will you choose today? If, you, if, your, quest, if your answer to the question in, when I asked er, earlier was that you found yourself as an ungodly man, God is saying to you, I even give wisdom to show you how to change from ungodly to godly. To change from wicked to righteous. To change from a sinner to a believer. I have the wisdom. That is what God is saying to us this morning. He has the wisdom. And he knows the path in which you should take. He knows the path on which you are walking. And he says, I generously give to those who ask. So as we bow our heads this morning. With our eyes closed. We stand before the one who has the ability to prosper men, but at the same time to make men perish. We stand before the one who has the ability and the power and the love to bless man and to reward him for seeking him, but he also has the power to reward men with destruction. And so we stand before that God this morning, this God this morning. His name is Jesus. And we say to him, Jesus, I have sinned. I have looked to the world for wisdom. I have sought wisdom in places other than in you and in your word. I have looked to men professionally trained and otherwise. I have looked to friends who partially obey obey you. I have looked to Iana, I have looked to Steve, I have looked to Wendy. I have looked to different speakers who do not profess you as Lord. And I have sought their wisdom to navigate my life. Lord, forgive me. Or you may want to repent this morning of having employed or used the wisdom of the world indecision in your decision making and you now have to live with the end product of what you have done you have to live with the outcome of your decision and God is saying to you this morning I am a forgiving God I have the ability to redeem because I am the one who knows the stream that you need and I will plant you by the streams of water I will bring men into your life. I will bring women into your life. I will allow the word as you read it to reveal to you who I am and to reveal your identity in me. And this morning you may be saying, God, I don't know how. I don't know how to come, and he says, all you do is invite me. I have already invited you. You just need to accept by saying, Lord, here I am. I stand before you as one condemned. Condemned to sin, condemned to death because of sin. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And the scripture says that when we ask the Lord to come and to be the Lord of our lives, he gladly comes. He comes without finding fault. He comes without criticizing. He comes without questioning why did you do that. But he comes with loving arms ready to embrace you and to wrap you in his arms. And to love you and to bestow all his love on you, his child. The scripture says the moment we invite him to come and be our Lord, it, it says he lavishes his love on us. And by his love we are now known as the child of God. The one who he has deemed righteous and now godly. But I'm also mindful that you, like me, may have already determined that we want to be godly. And the storms in life have come, and they have buffeted us. They have hit us hard, and we are disappointed. And we are saying, God, I thought that because I am yours, you would have made my provision easier. You would have made my way straight. You would have removed the crooked parts. You would have leveled the mountains. You would have made my rough places smooth. And he's saying to us this morning, my child, I know the streams that you need. My child, I know the challenges you need. My child, I know the storms in life that would make you stronger, more resilient, and to trust me more. So do not lose heart, my child. Do not lose your way. Do not give up trusting me, even though it steers you in the face that life is hard and you are disappointed. But he says, continue to seek him. Continue to meditate and delight yourself in his word. Continue to obey and apply the truths revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. And he will continue to lead you and to guide you into that promised path, prosperity, blessedness, fruitfulness. And you may be this morning one who has been holding on and not letting go. And he's saying to you, my child, continue to run the race of faith. I have watched you. I have seen your deeds. I have seen you. I have seen when it becomes hard. I have seen, but you fail to let go. You choose to hold on. And I will come and reward you as I have promised. I am a God who does not change my mind. I do not go back on my word. I do not change the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And a future. And so whatever category you find yourself in this morning, God is saying to you, if you are for me, you will stand with me. If you are for me, you will allow me to lead you. If you are for me, my word will become your instruction. My word will become your guide. My word will become your your protection, and your provision. My word will become your delight. It will become the object of your delight in which you find pleasure. But if you're against me, no, I cannot be for you. I cannot bless you in your ungodly state. I cannot make you prosperous in a state of unrighteousness. But my arms are always open, beckoning you to come and stand in the assembly of the righteous. To stand as one who will judge the unrighteous. And he invites us to come this morning. And the song that comes to my mind is, come just as you are hear the spirit calls come just as you are come and see come receive come and live forevermore Earth has no sorrows. Yes. So lay down your
0: burden. lay down
1: your shame. Lay down your burden and your shame. Because that's what the world does. Oh, the world causes you to be ashamed. It's filled with burden. Yes. Your face. Yes. Yes. just as you are. Come as you are. You don't have to put things together. You don't have to fix things. You don't have to move out. You don't have to put things in place because you can't do it on your own. He says, come just as you are. Hear him calling you this morning. Come and sit with him. us not be distracted this morning let us just focus on him let us just put our eyes on him and lay down the very burdens lay down the challenges lay down the pain that we are experiencing this morning lay down this morning the heartache and the disappointments that we have this morning he says come come he's inviting you to come do not reject him this morning my pain and my disappointment God. I lay down my shame. I lay down father God everything God that I'm struggling with today. Because you're saying to me this morning that there's no sorrow no pain that I have that you can't heal today. things my way where I have gone after my own path not understanding and realizing that there are only two pathways either I am with you and for you or I'm against you and so Father forgive me forgive me where I have chosen the ways of the world forgive me where I have taken the advice of the world that is inspired by the enemy of my soul and I have used it and I've applied it and I've employed it to live. Forgive me. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside, that nudges me, that desires to teach me and to guide me, and to lead me into that path of righteousness for your name's sake. And so, Father as we bow our heads before you and we confess our sins before you, we confess where we have rejected you, we confess, Lord, where we have not followed up on all your counsel, we have partially obeyed your counsel, we have given in to our own fleshly desires, we have given in to our own emotions, we have given in to our desires, we have given in to what the world says is normal and it should be, God, I stand before you this morning accepting your forgiveness, recognizing God that I cannot be neutral, I cannot be godly in one decision and be ungodly in the next, I cannot continue to be resentful and unforgiving and then claim that I am a godly child I cannot be unloving yet claim that I am righteous I cannot be unfaithful and faithless yet claim that I trust you I cannot father God straddle the fence I have to in every way shape and form declare my loyalty to the position that I have taken And I this morning, like the people who are listening to the sound of my voice, choose this morning, God, to follow the way of God. I choose the godly way this morning. I choose the path that leads to God this morning. I choose the path, Father God, that is lean and, and lined with the things of God and the counsel and the wisdom of God this morning. I choose this morning, God. That even in the storms and the disappointments and the challenges of life, I choose your path. I choose your way. I choose your counsel. And so, Father, I thank you this morning. I bless your name, Father. I bless your name.
0: with us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you are here and you dwell with us. And so as we go our separate ways, Lord, you will be with us. We will walk in the counsel of the godly. We will not sit in the seats of of sinners. Lord God, we will not stand in their way. But we will bless you. We will walk in your way and in your truth. As you shine your light into our hearts. Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. O oh God, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance.